Lesson 1 God's Mission to Us, Part 1 Sabbath Afternoon September 30 As the wheel-like complications shown to Ezekiel were under the guidance of the hand beneath the wings of the cherubim, so the complicated play of human events is under divine control. Amidst the strife and tumult of nations, he that sitteth above the cherubim still guides the affairs of this earth. The history of nations speaks to us today. To every nation and to every individual, God has assigned a place in his great plan. Today men and nations are being tested by the plummet in the hand of him who makes no mistake. All are by their own choice deciding their destiny, and God is overruling all for the accomplishment of His purposes. The prophecies which the Great I Am has given in His Word, uniting link after link in the chain of events, from eternity in the past to eternity in the future, tell us where we are today in the procession of the ages and what may be expected in the time to come. All that prophecy has foretold as coming to pass until the present time has been traced on the pages of history and we may be assured that all which is yet to come will be fulfilled in its order. Prophets and Kings, page 536. The eternal plans of God are about to be fulfilled and the end of all things is at hand. This is a time when those who have a knowledge of the truth of God should be ranging themselves on the side of the blood-stained banner of Prince Emmanuel. They should stand forth as defenders of the faith delivered to the saints. They should make manifest to the world what it is to keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. They should let their light shine forth in clear, strong rays upon the pathway of those who walk in darkness. The soldiers of Christ should stand shoulder to shoulder, loyal to truth, vindicators of the law of Jehovah. Sons and Daughters of God, page 269 As the rays of the sun penetrate to the remotest corners of the globe, so God designs that the light of the gospel shall extend to every soul upon the earth. It is thus that God's purpose in calling His people from Abraham on the plains of Mesopotamia to us in this age is to reach its fulfillment. He says, I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. If upon your spirit the glory of the Lord is risen, if you have beheld His beauty, who is the chiefest among ten thousand and the one altogether lovely, if your soul has become radiant in the presence of His glory, to you is this word from the Master sent. Have you stood with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration? Down in the plain there are souls enslaved by Satan. They are waiting for the word of faith and prayer to set them free. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, pages 42 and 43 Sunday, October 1 the God who reaches out to us. The white robe of innocence was worn by our first parents when they were placed by God in holy Eden. They lived in perfect conformity to the will of God. All the strength of their affections was given to their heavenly Father. A beautiful soft light, the light of God, enshrouded the holy pair. This robe of light was a symbol of their spiritual garments of heavenly innocence.
Had they remained true to God, it would ever have continued to enshroud them. But when sin entered, they severed their connection with God, and the light that had encircled them departed. Naked and ashamed, they tried to supply the place of the heavenly garments by sewing together fig leaves for a covering. Christ's Object Lessons, page 310. Since the fall, the Lord has wrought out His will in the plan of redemption, a plan by which He is seeking to restore man to His original perfection. Christ's death on the cross has made it possible for God to receive and pardon every repentant soul. The salvation of the human race has ever been the object of the counsels of heaven. The covenant of mercy was made before the foundation of the world. It has existed from all eternity and is called the everlasting covenant. So surely as there never was a time when God was not, so surely there never was a moment when it was not the delight of the eternal mind to manifest His grace to humanity. The Faith I Live By, page 76 The love of Jesus for souls cannot be measured. Christ died to save not only the few who accept Him. No, He came to our world to save every son and daughter of Adam. He came not to seek and save those who are faultless and lovely, but He came to seek and to save them that are lost. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He is the true shepherd, ever ready to leave the flock which is in the fold, and to go into the wilderness to seek for the lost sheep. Manuscript Releases, Volume 19, page 330 as you see the enormity of sin, as you see yourself as you really are, do not give up to despair. It was sinners that Christ came to save. We have not to reconcile God to us, but, oh, wondrous love, God in Christ is reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. He is wooing by his tender love the hearts of his erring children. No earthly parent could be as patient with the faults and mistakes of his children as is God with those he seeks to save. No one could plead more tenderly with the transgressor. No human lips ever poured out more tender entreaties to the wanderer than does he. All his promises, his warnings, are but the breathing of unutterable love. Steps to Christ Page 35 Monday, October 2 The God Who Longs to Be With Us The all-merciful God shrouded His glory that Moses could look upon it and live. So in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, God communicated with Israel, revealing to men His will and imparting to them His grace. God's glory was subdued and His majesty veiled, that the weak vision of finite men might behold it. So Christ was to come in the body of our humiliation, Philippians chapter 3 verse 21 revised version, in the likeness of men. In the eyes of the world, He possessed no beauty that they should desire Him, yet He was the incarnate God, the light of heaven and earth. His glory was veiled, his greatness and majesty were hidden, that he might draw near to sorrowful, tempted men. God commanded Moses for Israel, 
Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8. And he abode in the sanctuary in the midst of his people. Through all their weary wandering in the desert, the symbol of his presence was with them. So Christ set up his tabernacle in the midst of our human encampment. He pitched his tent by the side of the tents of men that he might dwell among us and make us familiar with his divine character and life. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1 verse 14, revised version, margin. The Desire of Ages, page 23. The marked prosperity which attended everything placed under Joseph's care was not the result of a direct miracle, but his industry, care, and energy were crowned with the divine blessing. Joseph attributed his success to the favor of God, and even his idolatrous master accepted this as the secret of his unparalleled prosperity. Without steadfast, well-directed effort, however, success could never have been attained. God was glorified by the faithfulness of his servant. It was his purpose that in purity and uprightness, the believer in God should appear in marked contrast to the worshipers of idols, that thus the light of heavenly grace might shine forth amid the darkness of heathenism. Conflict and Courage, page 74. To his children today, the Lord declares, Be strong and work, for I am with you. The Christian always has a strong helper in the Lord. The way of the Lord's helping we may not know, but this we do know. He will never fail those who put their trust in Him. Could Christians realize how many times the Lord has ordered their way, that the purposes of the enemy concerning them might not be accomplished, they would not stumble along complainingly. Their faith would be stayed on God, and no trial would have power to move them. They would acknowledge him as their wisdom and efficiency, and he would bring to pass that which he desires to work out through them. Prophets and Kings, page 576 Tuesday, October 3 The God Who Became One With Us From the days of eternity the Lord Jesus Christ was one with the Father. He was the image of God, the image of his greatness and majesty the outshining of his glory. It was to manifest this glory that he came to our world. To this sin-darkened earth, he came to reveal the light of God's love, to be God with us. Therefore it was prophesied of him, his name shall be called Emmanuel. By coming to dwell with us, Jesus was to reveal God both to men and to angels. He was the word of God, God's thought made audible. In his prayer for his disciples, he says, I have declared unto them thy name, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Reflecting Christ, page 15. Christ's life was one of self-denial and thoughtful care for others. Every soul was precious in his eyes. While he ever bore himself with divine dignity, he bowed with the tenderest regard to every member of the family of God. In all men he saw fallen souls 
whom it was his mission to save. Such is the character of Christ as revealed in his life. This is the character of God. It is from the Father's heart that the streams of divine compassion manifest in Christ flow out to the children of men. Jesus, the tender, pitying Savior, was God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. But Christ's great sacrifice was not made in order to create in the Father's heart a love for man, not to make him willing to save. No, no. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John chapter 3, verse 16. The Father loves us not because of the great propitiation, but he provided the propitiation because he loves us. Christ was the medium through which he could pour out his infinite love upon a fallen world. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. God suffered with his Son. In the agony of Gethsemane, the death of Calvary, the heart of infinite love paid the price for our redemption. Steps to Christ, pages 12 and 13. It is now time to take a decided stand on the side of truth, and as God has given to everyone his measure of influence, he should exert it to the glory of God and for the good of his associates. Not one of the faithful stewards of Christ will be idle in such a time as this or will be content to live simply for self. Those who are in communion with Christ will realize that there are souls on every side who may be benefited by their help example, and influence. They will realize that they may be agents through whom Jesus will work to save souls for whom he died. Sons and Daughters of God, page 269. Wednesday, October 4. The God Who Continues to Be With Us. Jesus looked upon the world in its fallen state with infinite pity. He took humanity upon himself that he might touch and elevate humanity. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He reached to the very depth of human misery and woe to take man as he found him, a being tainted with corruption, degraded with vice, depraved by sin, and united with Satan in apostasy, and elevate him to a seat upon his throne. But it was written of him that he shall not fail nor be discouraged, and he went forth in the path of self-denial and self-sacrifice, giving us an example that we should follow in his steps. We should work as did Jesus, departing from our own pleasure, turning away from Satan's bribes, despising ease, and abhorring selfishness, that we may seek and save that which is lost, bringing souls from darkness into light, into the sunshine of God's love. We have been commissioned to go forth and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to bring to the lost the tidings that Christ can forgive sin, can renew the nature, can clothe the soul in the garments of his righteousness, bring the sinner to his right mind, and teach him and fit him up to be a laborer together with God. Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 199 Christ's death proves God's great love for man. It is our pledge of salvation. 
To remove the cross from the Christian would be like blotting the sun from the sky. The cross brings us near to God, reconciling us to Him. With the relenting compassion of a father's love, Jehovah looks upon the suffering that his son endured in order to save the race from eternal death and accepts us in the beloved. Without the cross, man can have no union with the father. On it depends our every hope. From it shines the light of the Savior's love, and when at the foot of the cross the sinner looks up to the one who died to save him, he may rejoice with fullness of joy, for his sins are pardoned. Kneeling in faith at the cross, he has reached the highest place to which man can attain. Through the cross we learn that the Heavenly Father loves us with a love that is infinite, can we wonder that Paul exclaimed, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ? Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. It is our privilege also to glory in the cross, our privilege to give ourselves wholly to him who gave himself for us. Then, with the light that streams from Calvary shining in our faces, we may go forth to reveal this light to those in darkness. The Acts of the Apostles, pages 209 and 210. Thursday, October 5. The God Who Will Come Back for Us As Christ's earthly ministry drew to a close, and he realized that he must soon leave his disciples to carry on the work without his personal supervision, he sought to encourage them and to prepare them for the future. He did not deceive them with false hopes. As an open book, he read what was to be. He knew he was about to be separated from them to leave them as sheep among wolves. He knew that they would suffer persecution, that they would be cast out of the synagogues and would be thrown into prison. He knew that for witnessing to him as the Messiah, some of them would suffer death. And something of this he told them. In speaking of their future, he was plain and definite that in their coming trial, they might remember his words and be strengthened to believe in him as the Redeemer. He spoke to them also words of hope and courage. Let not your heart be troubled, he said. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. John chapter 14 verses 1 to 4. For your sake I came into the world. For you I have been working. When I go away, I shall still work earnestly for you. I came to the world to reveal myself to you, that you might believe. I go to my Father and yours to cooperate with Him in your behalf. The Acts of the Apostles, page 21. As Christ ascended, His hands outstretched to bless His disciples, a cloud of angels received Him and hid Him from their sight. As the disciples looked with straining eyes for the last glimpse of their ascending Lord, two angels from the rejoicing throng stood by them and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. 
the disciples were filled with great joy. Over and over again, they repeated the words Christ had spoken to them in his last lessons, as recorded in the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th chapters of John. And everyone had something to say about the instruction, especially with regard to the words of the 14th of John. Verses 1 to 3 quoted, The promise that he would come again, and also the thought that he had left them his peace, filled their hearts with joy. The Upward Look, page 357. It is our privilege to understand the great responsibilities that God has placed upon us so that we shall not be in darkness as to what is coming upon our world. We cannot afford to meet that day without a preparation. But when we think of this great and solemn event of Christ's coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, we should live in great humiliation before God, lest we fail of the grace of God and prove ourselves unworthy of eternal life. The Upward Look, page 192. For further reading, Sons and Daughters of God, Oneness with Christ, page 295, and The Upward Look, Where is Your Treasure, page 355.